Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. Welcome to episode 10. You guys, I can't believe I made it here. 10 episodes. For me, it's a huge milestone. So thank you to everyone who's been listening. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. Um, So today, I'm so excited to have Emma Grunbeck. Um, I'm so sorry, Emma. I probably totally butchered that. (laughs) I'm so, so sorry. Um, But she is a donor-conceived individual, and she shares her experience growing up um, knowing that she's a donor-conceived person, and she shares that experience with us today. Um, I think it's really important to talk about this topic because for those of us who are 40, we have a higher likelihood of needing donor eggs. So knowing that, um, you know, that this is something that we have to consider, I started to do some browsing around the topic and we're hitting a time where a lot of donor conceived babies have now become adults. They're grown up and they're old enough to share their experience with us. And when I was looking into this and I was looking online, I actually found a lot of negative experiences and I found that people were angry and that got me to really reconsider whether or not donor conception was an option for me. And then I found Emma's account and she somehow popped up in my feed and I perused her account and what I found was so much positivity. Her feed just does a wonderful job showcasing this beautiful relationship she has with her family. And she's done a few Instagram lives with her father. And the relationship I saw was just so beautiful. And it was just like picture perfect. And they're living that dream that I think we all hope to have when we have our own um, children, whether or not they're donor conceived. It just is that ideal um, parent-child relationship. And um, I just thought that was really great. And so after seeing their dynamic, I wanted to know, like, what was the difference? Why, why was her experience so positive? And what made it so positive? So I invited her onto the show to talk about her experience. And I think what you'll notice from her is that this was something that played a very important role in her life, but at the very same time, didn't. She is so open about her experience. And for that, I am so, so grateful. Um, if you want to hear a recipient parent story, um, take a listen to Sarah Kowalski's story of motherhood reimagined in episode seven. She shares how she um, parents her donor conceived child and kind of her perspective. For Emma, we have um, the perspective of what it is to be donor conceived. But if you want to kind of hear a little bit behind the parenting, um, Sarah Kowalski's episode is really great for that. Um, before we get to Emma, as always, please, please, please review, share, and follow this podcast. If you find value um, in anything that we're talking about on this podcast, um, my mission is to get this information and these stories in as many ears as we can so that the future parents aren't struggling as we are today. Um, Thank you so much, Emma, for sharing your story. I'm so grateful that you made time to be with us and to share your experience to help all of us and the donor-conceived community have the best outcome possible.
Hey everyone, we're back and we have Emma today. Emma is a wonderful human that I actually saw on Instagram and she is a donor conceived person and um, she has a really, really wonderful story to share with us. So thank you so much for being here with us, Emma, and kind of um, teaching us all how we can kind of learn from your experience and the experience of others. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to start off. So one of the first things that really caught my eye was um, on Instagram, I saw um, one of the reels that you made, you had this lovely book that your parents made for you. Um, Would you mind telling us about their story and how, you know, they brought you into this world? So um, one of the things my parents did really, really good was that they made sort of like a children's book. Um, that we read as a nighttime story from I was just a kid. So I gradually understood about my conception in, in our family story. And, um, yeah, the book was really simple. Actually, it was just, um, pictures of friends and family drawings that my mom did and a very, very basic, um, story about, two people who loved each other and wanted a child but didn't really seem to um, have so easy becoming pregnant and, uh, yeah, then needing help uh, from someone else to to get sperm to put on the egg and, um, yeah, having me and just a very, very positive story about my conception, why our family is how it is. And uh, yeah, the love between my parents, I guess. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I love the idea of having the book to tell your personal story. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I actually don't know if there are any other like children's types books out there explaining this process, but I loved that they made and catered a book to you in your personal story. Um, do you think that made a difference seeing like a per- your own personal story? I think it made a huge difference. I think that it was one of the main, also being told early, of course, but it was mm-hmm. a really good way for both my parents to explain in a way where I, as a child, I didn't understand everything, but Mm-hmm. When you read the book, you understand more and more eventually. And then we could have conversations about things I might not understand or um, drawings that my mom made. So I think it was a really, really nice way to start conversations. And um, I think that it was personal, also made us talk a bit more because mm-hmm. it had like pictures of, um, well, my parents' friends and family who had children during that time where they were struggling. So also my cousins and and um, and people who have been a big part of my life also growing up. They're mm-hmm. also in the book. So so yeah, I think it was just a really really nice way to to speak about this topic that can be sometimes difficult and also I think it was a great resource for my parents to start the conversation because that can be Mm -hmm. hard it's Mm -hmm. something that you've struggled so much with and where do you start what do you tell Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it was a good way for them to start communicating as well Mm -hmm. when do you remember the first time being told about where how you came to be 
Yeah, I have no memory because I think I was around three years old when we started reading the book. So it's just been, to me, it feels like I've known always because I I don't remember a time where I did not know. I don't remember the time where we sat down reading. I do have uh, a lot of memories of us reading throughout mm-hmm. the years, but but not like a specific time that this was the first time I was told or this was the first time we we read about it because mm-hmm. I might not have understood the first time, but mm-hmm. I did eventually. Yeah. No, I, I think that's beautiful. I think that it's wonderful. Um, and so as a child, did you feel like you had any feelings about being donor conceived? Did you feel like you like there was something different or did you feel like, you know what, I'm just like any other kid. I've got a mom and a dad and, you know, I'm just I'm just any other kid. No, I definitely felt like I was different and I knew that mm-hmm. I was different and this was not like an ordinary story. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always felt in some way that it was a positive thing. I've mm-hmm. always felt like my mom explained it as I was proud of it. So mm-hmm. uh, I was very, very open about it. And uh, yeah, I just think I felt like it made me special because my parents had wanted me so bad that they mm-hmm. spent six years and loads of money and mm-hmm. time and had so many feelings involved in this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it actually made me feel feel a bit more comfortable in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I told very openly about mm-hmm. our family story, even though most other people did not really understand or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you did you remember telling your friends about it? Like, do you remember telling your classmates or anything about it growing up? Yeah, so I had an episode in it must have been first grade or something like that where I we had to do like family trees in school, mm-hmm. and um, my mom is a clinical geneticist, so I've mm-hmm. seen at home how she makes like professional family trees, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I knew a bit more than regular children about this part of, of doing like a family tree. Um, and so I was confused about the assignment and I told my teacher about my uh, story and she did not believe it. Mm. So she thought that I was making stuff up to be like more special and get attention at school. So she called my parents and uh, they had to explain to her. And then afterwards I brought my book to school and explained my classmates about the situation. And uh, yeah, they did not really mind. I have a mom and a dad. I didn't look any different from any of them. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think they Mm -hmm. just didn't really mind. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And then how about as an adult, do you have, did you find that as an adult, you had any issues or any sh- struggles with donor conception? So I've had times, I would say it's more, more like in the teenage years where it's played, I would say the donor conception has played a bigger or smaller parts of my life throughout different times. Mm-hmm. So sometimes where there was something that um, in some way was concerning this topic like I had a a time where I was thinking a lot about 
who do I look like? Where does this come from? Where does that come mm. from? And we talked mm-hmm. a lot about that. And I thought about how the donor might look. And um, then I had through the teenage years, I have two younger sisters who are twins. And they are, because of the ICSI method becoming available in Denmark at that time, mm-hmm. they are my dad's biological children. So even though they're only two years younger than me, mm-hmm. um, that had become a possibility. So <clears throat> I had times growing up where I think I felt when we were on a vacation or something like that, when we were together like very intensely, I could feel a bit left out and that could trigger some negative feelings that could spiral me out into, am I not as big a part of this family as everyone else? Mm-hmm. Which I think could have happened even if it was not donor conceived I'm mm-hmm. sure I would have had some if you're yeah put on the spot like that yeah it, mm-hmm. it just trigger things and also in teenage years I think hormones and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is going on I I think that <clears throat> so I had these feelings but um I think that it was important to me that I always knew that it wasn't the case. Like I was as big a part of the family as everyone else. I knew like with my common sense that these feelings were not rational, but we talked about them and um, I've worked with them whenever they were there. And uh, yeah. And also later in life, when I was around 20s, um, I found out that I was lactose intolerant. Um, and that is a genetic variation and as my mom doesn't have it it must have come from the donor so of course at that time I also had like thoughts about it not something that I was upset about or anything just yeah a reminder that there is some knowledge that I don't have Mm -hmm. yeah no I think that's um I think that's been at least it seems like from what I've seen on your Instagram feed, you seem to have a really good um, relationship with your dad. Um, he, I think, you know, the way you guys interact yeah. together on some of your reels is, and I think you, you do a couple of lives with him too. And like mm-hmm. you're, uh, what I see between you is just so beautiful. And, you know, I think that's wonderful to see. And I, You know, sometimes I wonder like why or how you've had such a positive experience with the salt. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think there are variations in the donor conceived uh, person community in their experience with with um, how they came to this world. So I know that some Mm -hmm. people struggle with um, being donor conceived and I, I don't know if it's true. I can't speak for anyone, but it sounds like the earlier, the sooner you know about it, probably the more positive experience you have. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think that being told that early and it not becoming a shock, it has never been a secret. It's never been something that I could feel like I should be ashamed of if you can follow that thought. So I think if you keep something a secret for a lot of years, you would feel like, why, why has this been a secret? Is that because there's something wrong with it? So I think that 
them just being very open and um, open-minded, talking about it to people and um, telling me that early has made a huge, huge difference in why I feel like I do. Yeah. So for me, um, I, cause I'm older, I'm in my forties, I'm in my early forties and having, you know, infertility issues, I may or may not need a donor egg at some point. And one of the things I think about, and one of the things I, um, fear in using a donor egg is that, um, the child that I have may not feel bonded to me, may not Mm -hmm. feel like I am the real parent or, you know, I will feel like, you know, like I, I want to give them everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything. And then they're just like, but you're not my real mom. You know what I mean? So I, that's one of the fears I have. Do you know, has your dad ever expressed to you whether or not he's had that feeling where he fears that you, you may not feel bonded to him? Because obviously you guys are very bonded. You're very close and the relationship Mm -hmm. you have is so wonderful. I'm, I'm curious if he's ever expressed to you that he's had those fears or if you guys ever have talked about that together. I think that he, so also one thing that is a part of uh, the book I wrote is <clears throat> his letter to me, um, or it was a speech that he did when um, when I was, I don't know what you call that. Um, it's like a religious, um, like a religious thing you do where you, you, um, you do like a party for the, teenager and say that they're now grown up and Mm -hmm. an adult and Mm -hmm. uh, then he he did like a speech and Mm -hmm. um expressed how happy he was that he had the chance to become my dad and that I was a part of their life and uh yeah that our family ended up just as it did um and I think he's not like he's okay to talk about things if I mention them, but he's not mm. as I I think many men are. Yes, uh, someone who expresses his feelings very mm. often and um, talks about how he feels or if things are making him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think he's he he would put that away a bit. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, but that uh, speech says a lot about how he's felt and that he's felt lucky I wouldn't say I I don't think he's been like very concerned because he might have been before I was conceived but I think afterwards he just felt like how how I've been with them how I've also felt about my conception that I've been okay that I've been talking about it you obviously never know if that someday changes uh when you're growing up but I think he he just yeah felt the relationship so as soon as I was there I think he didn't didn't worry too much Mm -hmm. No, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, did do you know who the donor is? Or I don't know, because I know different countries have different rules about that. Yeah. So today in Denmark, you can choose between uh-huh. uh, an anonymous and an and, and anonymous donor. But mm-hmm. back then, mm-hmm. there wasn't that option. So every 
every donor was anonymous. So oh, my okay. donor is also anonymous. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> of course, I have the option to to like upload my DNA online and see yes. if that does anything. I've never had like I feel like even if my donor was if I were to contact him in some way, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would. I I'm I haven't really felt the need at any mm-hmm. point and also not seeking out potential half siblings or anything. I I just feel like I'm okay with the situation. I don't mm-hmm. I'm not missing out on anything. Um so yeah. Yeah. Um I think that I just find that since your experience has been so positive, I'm like, I, I almost just want to like take all the secrets that you guys have, like yeah. your secret to success, because, you know, I think there are so many of us, particularly when we're over the age of 40, the, the likelihood that we'll need to use a donor at some point in time does yeah. go up. So it's something mm-hmm. that a large group of us do think about. And so, you know, I sometimes think about um, all the different things that would make a difference. So if you had mm-hmm. tips from your experience, tips from your parents, what would you tell potential donor conceived um, or um, recipient parents um, to what are the things they can do to kind of help make their journey as positive as yours has been? I think it is, as we talked about, very, very important with telling early and um, having conversations about it. I don't think that just telling and then just leaving it at that is enough. I think that it's important to make sure that the child feels like they can come to you with questions and that you are open to have like a conversation about it. If you want to involve other people or just want to keep it in the family, I don't, I'm not sure what big of a difference that makes just as long as the child knows that that you're okay to talk about it we can talk about this because there will be times where where it's diff, difficult in some way and where it it does take up some time and and um to cause some emotions mm-hmm. um and then i think that truth like telling the truth and uh, and honesty is very important, and then love, expressing love, um, so that the child knows that this came from love. It wasn't like a, an intention to hurt hurt the mm-hmm. child, or it wasn't because like it was a necessity, but but done out of love. Mm-hmm. Do you did you ever find that there are because, you know, the other thing I think about, too, as a uh, potential recipient uh, parent is that um, mm-hmm. I I really think about like, you know, how sometimes you when you think about things, you're like, oh, you know, my mom does this. So maybe, you know, I probably get that from her or something. Do you ever find mm-hmm. that your mannerisms are like your dad or you find similarities like that with your dad? You're like, oh, this is very yeah. my dad. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I, I definitely have that. So <clears throat> I 
am a nurse and during my training I actually went to and he's a doctor so I went to the same department as he was in and so the other nurses would would come to me and say like oh you you look like your dad and we would laugh about it at home um because obviously I I don't in like a biological sense yes but yeah in some way I'm I must have some some manners or or something that it is quite similar to how he is Mm -hmm. and um yeah so I guess I would have that and I do look a lot like my mom both in spirit and look wise so uh I think I've I've always known that that was the case and um but other than that, I think we've also talked about things that were different about me. Like my mom always said that my mouth must must have been from the donor. So we've mm. we've talked about these things, and these things have been like again. I would say it's been things that have made me more special in like yeah. a positive way. So mm-hmm. it was like something that really made me me. So I think yeah. There are like different things to to that does play a part of this, and that we think about in terms of of um, what do I look like? Do, do I look like him? And um, I think, yeah, I I'm not sure how much my dad has ever thought about that actually. Mm. Yeah, well, it just sounds like nothing was ever taboo or off limits. Like it was always just everything was out in the open. There was no yeah. like it didn't seem like there was ever any discomfort about bringing anything up, whether it was no. donor or not donor or anything like that. So it's like free for all, whatever you wanted to ask or say, whatever. Like so it, it's yeah. not like they felt like they needed to not talk about the donor at all. They just openly talked about the donor. So Exactly. Okay. That I mean, I think that's I hadn't actually thought about that, like things like that coming up and saying, mm-hmm. you know, and having it be okay to have that conversation. So, um, it, I mean, you know, I would love to figure out more. I mean, maybe we need to get your parents on this podcast too. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but um, so tell me about your book. Tell me about what your thoughts were in starting the book. Why did you write the book and what is the book about? Mm-hmm. So I... Um, <clears throat> For a lot of my life when I became an adult, I didn't really uh, spend much time thinking about my donor conception. Then someday I had a friend who's um, a lesbian ask me about my experience and I thought, oh, maybe people can actually use my life experience and and how my parents and, and myself went about this because I knew that it was still quite a new like field of expertise um and so I went online and everything I found was just so so negative and um whenever I saw something uh on tv that was related to donor conception it was also with a negative point of view and it was just so far from my experience that I felt that there was a need for this story also to be shared. I think it is important for us to hear the sad stories and the stories where 
people have been hurt by this because we can learn from this, but we can also learn from the positive stories. So, um, yeah, then I started blogging a bit about it and then I could see that that there was a real interest um, about this and then I began the process of writing the book, which is like it's like starting at my uh my birth and um actually it starts with my parents fertility treatment how they went about that um the money they spent all of that sort of stuff and uh then just moving on throughout my life and the different experiences I've had with donor conception when it has um triggered some things when we felt the need to talk about it all these uh kind of things going through life and um yeah I just really felt that it might help both recipient parents donors and other donor can save people um potentially that is at least my hope that that people can can learn from our story I don't as you say I don't know what exactly made I do have an idea of what made our story so positive and and why I'm happy about my my story but then again it's hard to know so but I I really Mm -hmm. do hope that sharing our life experience can can help people and be a support to to some people out there so that was my intention Mm -hmm. with with the book yeah well uh, I mean you know we talked about how positive yours was and you said when you went online to kind of find other experiences you found that there were a lot of negative Mm. um, experiences can you tell me about some of these negative experiences why do you think they were negative I think that a lot of these well at the time I was conceived, the um, ad- the professional advice from doctors were not to tell the child. So, mm. of course, a lot of people have done so. They kept it a secret, and mm-hmm. then eventually, mm-hmm. maybe the secret was too big. Maybe they thought uh, now the child mm-hmm. is an adult; they deserve to know. Maybe the the mm-hmm. person found out. Um, by coincidence so a lot of these stories were people where they had not been told their whole life and then suddenly they they Mm -hmm. found out this huge thing about themselves and that can trigger so many negative feelings it can cause um very difficult feelings in the relationship between the parents and and uh, the donor can save individual because um, mm-hmm. trust is broken. And then, yeah, there's mm-hmm. also been people who've had like um, <clears throat> identity crisis and, and stuff like that because of mm. this m- massive piece of information missing throughout their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you, do you find that, um, that at any point um, during, you know, your journey into adulthood that you ever thought about the other kind of genetic family that you may be 
you know, like other half siblings or other cousins or anything like that? Did that ever cross your mind? To be honest, I've only thought about the donor. And um, Mm. so it wasn't until I was sort of in this uh, donor conception community that I thought about potential half siblings. It never crossed my mind. And um, yeah, I know that there are, um, it would be unlikely that there aren't any out there. Uh, let's put mm-hmm. it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, before that, I I never thought about that. I only thought about the donor and I didn't really think about his family either. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you have any thoughts on anonymous versus open ID? I think it's really complex. I think, I think there is a tendency to <clears throat> say that um open id is just uh the best thing and um Mm -hmm. i do believe that it's good to have options and you do have the option to seek out or not seek out the donor if you want with uh an open id donor i do however also feel like it's been a relief to me to have that door closed Mm. so not like from I knew from I was three years old until I was 18 years old to do something about it, I could have built up a lot of expectations. I could have put so, so much thought mm-hmm. into that. So I think that nothing in this world is for free and it's not for free to to choose an open donor because mm-hmm. there will be a lot more to speculate about and to think about. And I think it, that the parents have a very important role in in not putting the donor on a pedestal and and um, yeah getting too high expectations for this um, this person because you never know even though they've been open to to um, meeting up at the time that they were donating a lot mm-hmm. can happen in eighteen years. In your yeah, life, yeah, in yeah, yeah. the donor's life as yes. well. So, so mm-hmm. I, I just think it's there is also potential for the child to to become very hurt by that situation if they've looked forward to meeting the donor for eighteen years and mm-hmm. uh, for some reason the donor don't want to or is not mm-hmm. here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm also often asked, "What would you choose if you had to to use the donor yourself?" And I. I'm not sure really because I I think there are pros and cons to both and I don't think that there is an easy choice. I think that that it has there has to be put a lot of thought and um yeah, feelings into this choice. I don't know if that was an advice. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's good to know. I mean, you you have a very um you have a very unique perspective that none of us have. And Mm. I think you're able to share a perspective that we can't ever know. And so sometimes hearing that perspective is very, very helpful and and hearing it from your end, because, you know, we, we have our own thoughts and perspectives and and Mm -hmm. what we think is okay. But I mean, you know, that's our opinion and, and hearing someone who has, 
a different perspective and what that means to them and what those mm-hmm. options would mean to them is really important to go through because, you know, I can't imagine like, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I want to know, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, if I yeah. put myself in that place and said, well, if I had the option, I don't, I don't know what I would pick. I mean, you're so right. It's such a difficult decision to make. And I don't, I don't know that any one of us knows the right answer to it. And I don't know mm-hmm. that there is a right answer. Yeah. I think, like you said, there are pros and cons to each. And then you just kind of have to think it out and talk it out to figure out what is the best option for you. But I certainly value what you have to say and what your experience is. So it's, I think it it is valuable. I think what you have to say is really important. Um, do you think you would ever donate your eggs? Do you think you would ever be a donor? So actually when I was younger, I wanted to. <clears throat> and um, my mom said, okay, you can do that, but please wait till you've had your mm-hmm. own um, children because mm-hmm. that was because I think she's had some problems going through all of the treatments that, that she has mm-hmm. and she knows that it can whenever you go in there it can um, yeah cause some some difficulties yes um, mm-hmm. so uh, that was her what she told me back then now today I know that mm-hmm. because I'm doing it conceive myself I can't oh because of um, family history so they do like try to map out the family history and diseases mm-hmm. so I would be um, yeah I would be um, not be fit for that oh that's interesting even mm-hmm. well I guess I don't know if the if you had like the files or the medical records of your donor, then would you be able to? I'm not sure actually, because of the rules, I'm, I'm not sure what the rules are different countries, but I know that at yeah. least in Denmark, um, we do rule out people for a lot of reasons. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, everyone who's donor conceived or, or adopted or, um, uh, even if you're gay because of um, sexually transmitted diseases, even though today you would think, well, we can test for that. Yes, um, yes. So that there is like um, legislations that I think are a bit outdated. Um, mm-hmm. So it might be different in, in other countries. I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, now I was just curious. It, it would be interesting. So if you had the option, let's let's play a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had the option... Do you think you would? Well, obviously, I I I did want to at some point. I think mm-hmm. I I think I I would. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I would. And do you think you would be anonymous, or do you think you would be open ID? I think I would be open ID. Really? Um, yeah, I think I would be. Um, just because uh, if. I've seen the stories where people are hurt mm. and I would know as a donor, I don't have control over what the parents did uh, or did not tell mm-hmm. the child. So yes. if they were yes. hurt by the situation and I could like be that comfort for them to meet them and see how I look and know my family history and stuff like that, I think I would mm-hmm. be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think it'd be interesting too, because you too were donor conceived. So if 
a donor conceived, you know, came to you mm-hmm. and said, oh my gosh, you know how I feel, you know what yeah. this is like. And then if you had talked about, you know, your positive experience or something, then, you know, that might be something that's really beneficial for them. But yeah, I just kind of, I was curious whether or not, yeah, sure. you know, having had your experience, whether or not you would do it. Um, let me see here. Um, there are a couple of questions from um, the, um, on Instagram, I posted from some of the listeners. Do you mind if I ask you some of these questions? No, not at all. Okay. Um, let's see. You have uh, never met your donor, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this question doesn't apply. Um, is is there anything about your journey or experience you would change? No, I don't think so, actually. I think mm-hmm. that I'm really happy with where I am today and um, I'm happy about the choices that we've made as a family. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, no, I wouldn't change anything. I I think it's been a good way we've handled things and, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel very happy about, about my situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think this uh, this you kind of answered, but I'll um, I'll ask the other half of it. Um, do you feel less loved? And are there? Uh, and at what age were you told? Mm-hmm. I think you said three is the earliest yeah. age that you remember. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you, I don't think you said you f- you felt any different than anyone. I'll let you answer it. I don't want to put words. No, in <laughs> I I think actually I felt the opposite. Like I felt so mm. so loved. I felt like I was the most wanted child in the whole world and that made me feel like I feel felt a bit more comfortable in myself because I knew that I was special mm-hmm. and loved even more than all of the other regularly conceived children. So mm-hmm. so I think also because we talk so much about it and um, my parents just expressed their love so much. I really mm-hmm. felt that, that I was a very, very wanted and loved child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, do you feel included by your extended family, like cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandparents? I, yeah, I never felt different. Um, I I don't remember as a child ever thinking about that actually. Mm-hmm. I I really don't. I knew it in my like all little family of five, but but I didn't really think a lot about it in like our wider family. Um, and I've never felt different to any of the other other children in the family, and I've never felt like they treated me any different. Do you think that was your parents talking to them, like talking to your aunts, uncles, or grandparents? Yeah. What do you think think made that so positive? I think so. And, um, yeah, I just think that us being being open about it and um, them being a part of of my parents' uh, fertility treatment and their journey to to become parents – I think they they were just so happy that things worked out the way they did. And I think that they've been really open-minded today. Actually, one of my cousins, she is um, 
lesbian has a donor-conceived child uh, as well. Oh. So, so now it it in somehow is part of our family history, and then I think that has been a good way for them to explain to well their um, other children in the family uh, the situation, and then they could mm-hmm. could say, look at Emma, her story is this, this, our story is this. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did, did they ask you for advice? Yeah, they when did. When they were thinking and, about it? Yeah, so mm-hmm. we've talked a bit about it. I also think they read the book. Um, and, uh, yeah. Your book, the book that you wrote? Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. And then did they make their own little book too, like your parents made for you? Did they do that too? I'm not actually sure if they did that. Um I, I'm not sure about that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I, I think when you showed, I think it was a reel, you showed some of the pages mm-hmm. from the book and I thought, oh my gosh, this was such a great idea to start yeah. from the beginning and just really, like you said, tell the story. So I think I, if I do go ahead and, and, you know, use an egg donor, I think that's something that I would definitely do is to consider making the story like this is your personal mm-hmm. story. I love that idea. Um, okay, and is, uh, this other question is, as a kid, did you ever feel your parents were selfish for giving you life? And she says this is her fear as being a um, recipient parent. Yeah, and I do understand her because that is also one of the things I've experienced other donor-conceived people expressing in like the community. And I think that is, once again, because they've been hurt by... Uh, by this choice in life uh, mm-hmm. I've never ever felt that I've never felt that they were selfish I felt quite lucky actually felt lucky to be alive lucky to be a part mm-hmm. of their family uh, lucky to have them um, no I've never never thought about that I think mm-hmm. if I thought about someone being selfish it I think I would have felt that that was me if sometimes uh, my conception has taken up a lot of space, more, maybe even more towards my little sisters who are not donor conceived. Um, Okay, and then uh, this next question is advice for how to explain to a child so they're secure in who they are Mm -hmm. if they're a donor conceived child. So how would you, how would you, what words would you use to explain to a child that they're donor conceived? Say... In my, in the book my parents made, they just told that mom and dad needed help to become pregnant. So they had help from a nice man who gave sperm to put on mom's eggs and then they become, they became pregnant. So I think that is a really good way of explaining it. Like my parents, I think they explained it in like, a biological sense they explain because mm, your mom's like a geneticist your dad's a physician so they're very science like yeah. <laughs> yeah they are so so I, and i think i understood quite a lot about that so they understood about uh, or they explained about the egg and the sperm and how children are made in that like sense and so they explained mm-hmm. that well um dad did not produce as much sperm as as you need to have a child and then we needed to get that from someone else who was kind enough to give some of his. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was like, 
the donor was not a big part of the process, more like he was the nice man who gave us something that we, we did not have of, a, of our own. And uh, I think that was a really good way. And then I understood more and more. We talked about more and more about it. And um, mm-hmm. I have a drawing that I made when I was five. It's actually the cover of my book. It's like a... Mm-hmm. It's a like a happy egg and then surrounded by sperm cells. And I think that's just mm-hmm. a really good example of uh, how much ch- children understand when it is something that is important because that that's the reason I hear from a lot of recipient parents that they want to wait to tell the child when the child understands and mm-hmm. when the timing is right. Mm-hmm. I think the timing will never be right. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that just postpones the conversation more and more mm-hmm. uh, and I think the children do understand a lot lot more than what we give them credit for and especially when it's something that is important to them they want to ex- understand and they want to ask questions they want to know what this how how is this um, yeah so I think that that is really important to think about Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I was talking to a recipient uh, parent, and she said how she explained to her son was that um, uh, to make a baby, you need a seed from a man and a seed from a woman. Mm-hmm. And she uh, needed to use both a seed from a man and a seed from a woman. And mm-hmm. so that might be another way to explain it, too, for, you know, those who maybe are uh, less uh, science based. <laughs> They yeah. might be able to say a seed from a man and a seed from a woman. I thought that was really yeah. a clever way of explaining um, that mm-hmm. process, especially when they're younger. And then certainly when they get older and, and they understand more, then you can do the whole sperm egg thing. But um, obviously mm-hmm. you were way ahead of your time and you already knew that explanation at three. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, okay. The next question is, um, is there anything you wish your parents did or said differently? Not really, because they didn't. Once again, I don't like have a memory of them putting me uh, on the spot, telling me something. Mm-hmm. It was more like conversations throughout the years. So I wouldn't say that there was something to be said or done in any other way. I think that they've um, they've just given me a lot of. Um, freedom to choose whatever uh, I wanted to do with the information, how much I wanted to know, how many questions I wanted to ask. I think that they've just been supportive. And also now we talk about, obviously we talk about this a lot because I do uh, a lot of things related to donor conception. And um, we talk about that my experience also might change whenever I want to have kids myself. So whenever you go through something big in life, there's a possibility of this or my experience with donor conception changing. Also, if one of my parents were to suddenly die or something like that, that could also change how I feel. And I think that we're just very open to talk about that, that the the possibilities of uh, – life changing how you feel about something and I know that I have their full support if 
someday I wake up and want to know about the donor or want to seek out half siblings or um, just feel feel any different than what I do today, then I know that we can talk about it. Um, I can get um, go talk to a professional if I need that. Whatever I want, I have their full support, and I think that is very important. And I think it is important that we've talked about, well, what if the situation is any different? What if things do not turn out good in this um, situation? What, well, what do we do? How do we feel? Um, just open-minded in some way that I think it's important mm -hmm. to me to know that I can do whatever I want with the information um, and that I have their support mm -hmm. in whatever I feel. Yeah, it's almost like when there are no restrictions, when there are no like mm -hmm. caps on you, you don't feel like you anything is being kept from you. So the, almost like it takes away mm -hmm. from the curiosity because there's nothing yeah. that's off limits. And if you have a question, it gets answered. If there's something you want to know about, it gets answered. You have access mm -hmm. to everything. And so it seems like there's less of that need to, to like keep poking, yeah. keep poking, keep wanting to learn more because it's yeah. all there. You don't, you don't have to, there's nothing hidden from you. So I think that's really, at least that's what I'm hearing, at least from you, is that it's like there's no... No, I think uh, so too, yeah. That's great. Um, and then this next question, which I think you answered just now, is um, it says, uh, what did your parents do to help you deal with the curiosity of where you came from? But it sounds like you just talked about it all the time and or whenever you wanted it yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, because... We didn't at all talk about it all mm -hmm. the time, but whenever I had some feelings involving my donor conception or um, whenever there was just a part of our life that was connected to like me finding out I was lactose intolerant, we just talked about it in the situation, but there were loads of loads of times throughout the years where we didn't talk a lot about it mm -hmm. at all. So once again, it was kind of, up to me and how mm -hmm. I felt or if there was anything specific in the situation that made us talk so it wasn't like forced it wasn't like we had to talk about it once a week um so for some periods we might not talk about it for mm -hmm. months and then other periods we would talk about it every day but whenever there was something there we would talk about it and I think that was good very good. Yeah. No, well, it sounded like, you know, it. your experience has just been like, it's like you guys are like the poster for <laughs> the how you handle, you know, donor conception. I feel like your parents just did this wonderful job of mm -hmm. um, creating a very safe space for you to explore all your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I think so too. And one of the things I want to say is that my mom always says that they were just lucky because they were looking for information back then. And also when they decided to tell me, despite them being advised not to, but there wasn't really anything there at that time. Now you do have kind of a lot more support to look into, but I think that they just felt like they were very lucky. They followed their gut feeling, but 
they didn't really know how to handle things. So, and I think that that is also important when you go into this process to to know that that is a feeling that you might have, like not knowing what what to do, how to go about things. I think it is very very natural, and and you can handle things in in a very good way, even though you don't know from the beginning what what is up and down and what you're going to do in a specific situation. I feel like that's kind of just parenting in general. I think a lot of times when people are just new parents, I don't think anybody knows what to do. So For sure. So I think either way, whether you have a donor-conceived child or not, you're going to find yourself... Um, not knowing what to do and finding yourself mm-hmm. kind of lost, I think, along the way. So this is just um, a slightly different version of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, having, I don't, I don't, kind of being in this community of other donor-conceived people, have you met other people with really positive experiences like you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. So there aren't a lot of these experiences out there because I think also as I did before I knew that there was a need for this story to be told I was just living a very ordinary life and this was not a very big part of my life anymore um or at least it wasn't something that I was thinking a lot about or putting a lot of thought into so uh I think that these stories are often not told so publicly so they can be a bit hard to find but um, after I started sharing my story, I um, was contacted by someone I went to school with and she told me she, that she was donor conceived as well. She has a twin brother, so I've talked to them. They have Their story is very, very similar to mine, except that they their parents are lesbians. So obviously they've had to answer more questions about that and, and they've also known from day one because of yes. the nature of the situation. Yes. And um, yeah, just uh, this week, actually, I met a Swedish guy who uh, who's also didn't conceived, um, same age as me. And he's met the donor, has a, mm-hmm. had an open donor, just met him once. They talked, saw each other, fine with that. Very, very positive experience. Also to- told from he was just a baby. Um, so I think that is, uh, yeah, what I've experienced. Yeah. The common theme is tell early. <laughs> of all the positive experience, it sounds like they all knew from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I do know one one girl who actually she, she found out herself when she was, um, she'd just become a mother herself. And mm. um, I think she and her parents had a hard time um at first and and it was a process for her to go through like getting that knowledge but now she's also okay with it so she you can also Mm. it it's not too late yes yes but i think that the best way to go about this is telling from from early age from the beginning i would yeah Mm -hmm. always recommend that Mm mm-hmm yeah. Um, the next question is, do you view your dad as your dad? And what are your general feelings on 
on this? I 100% view him as my dad. Um, yeah, I, yeah. No, I would never think of him as anything else. And that would also, in my opinion, be giving him um, not enough credit. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I've never thought about my donor as my dad. I don't use um, biological dad or genetic mm -hmm. uh, dad or any of these words. But mm -hmm. uh, to me, he's only a donor and um, I'm really, really grateful towards him. I think about him um, with gratitude mm -hmm. and I hope that he can feel that in some way out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I don't see him as a big part of my life and mm -hmm. um, I don't at all see him as a dad. I think that would be giving him way too much credit, mm -hmm. even though I'm very grateful for mm -hmm. his donation mm -hmm. to my parents. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the, because there's so much um, tied to this like genetic piece, like some people are just really like, you know, it's like, well, I, I feel like I have to know my genetics, like I need to know where my genes come from. What do you what do you think makes some people feel that way? And some people like you said, you know what, this like that doesn't mean that much to me. This is my family. This is where I belong. This is what do you think helps that feeling? Because I think about that, too, where I, I think about it mm -hmm. in two ways. One, as a potential recipient parent, I think about um, whether or not it's like when you see when people see their child they're like oh they get that from me or oh they look like me or oh and I don't know as a mm -hmm. society maybe that's our fault for putting so much on things like that I, so. I you know I so I think that drives that into our mind to get fixated on that so mm -hmm. you know what do you think makes it where someone like you is like you know what not interested that's not you know this is my dad I don't really need to know this gene thing it's uh, you know aside from the lactose intolerance thing you know I'm good I don't need mm -hmm. to know it so I think there's there are many things in this I think I think there's a cultural thing and then I think there is, like you also said, society making it a big deal. Also, the family trees in I've I've heard from a lot of recipient parents where they have experienced um, things with this um, fam family tree at school that has triggered things for their child. So I think the society is very, in some way, obsessed with this looking. Who do you look like? What is um, the genetic background here um <clears throat> and i think it is actually a bit weird because a lot of people have different parents than what they know of and that's been like that like how you handled fertility issues back in the days where that you went out or you um would go to the neighbor's house or something mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. This is not a new thing, mm -hmm. but why are we so eager about the genetics? I'm I'm not really sure. Also, mm -hmm. I think that there is like a trend in getting as much knowledge as possible about also about like distant, distant family mm -hmm. uh, years and years back. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand where this is coming from, but mm -hmm. it seems like there's a trend there as well. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that we've always talked about genetics in our family due to my mother and her work. And I've always known that I have possibilities in um, like doing tests and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. you never know in life. And, and what I've always felt like um, being Dunnick and saved was that I must be better off than regular people because at least the donor was tested for some things Mm. Mm -hmm. instead of if when you can save naturally you don't test either of the parents Mm -hmm. so that has always been my thought that well my risk of having something severe Mm -hmm. is less than regular people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of the testing Mm -hmm. that has been been done to the donor so Mm -hmm. But well, it's hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not sure why I feel how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, no. Yeah. No. I just think it's interesting because I, I catch myself thinking about that. Like I catch myself going like, mm-hmm. but why do I care? Like why does that yeah. matter? But I'm like, well, it matters because other people think it matters. And then you know what I mean. And then you go into this yeah. these spiral out of control and. You know, I just wondered. Yeah, but I do understand where you come from because one of the things I've been grateful about was that while my donor was matched with my dad uh, in terms of hair color and eye color and stuff like that, so that means that I do not stand out from the rest of the family. I do look very similar to to also my my, uh, sisters. So you can't tell from the outside and that is not even the case in in all families like you can have children where they look very very differently even though they have the same parents Mm -hmm. but we do look very similar and um i think that i've also felt like that was a relief because then i could choose myself if i wanted to tell people about this it was not something Mm. that you could just see from the outside yeah it it was like something that i could choose to let people know mm-hmm. um and therefore in some way it, it has also had like an an impact on how i felt like mm-hmm. that is very different from when you're for example adopted and um when it can be very obvious that you look different so I've I've thought about that, and I also think that that was one of the reasons why people at school didn't really care about my mm-hmm. donor conception because it wasn't obvious to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also, from like a genetic standpoint too, sometimes I think about this where we have genetic family members or genetic parents or whatever, and sometimes mm-hmm. we find that even if we're genetically connected, we're not emotionally or phys- or any other way connected because some people can be genetically related to their parents and have these horrible parents that are like, you know, mm-hmm. not in their lives or they don't feel any connection toward them aside from their genetics. So like I, I try to think of those things too, is that you can have the opposite yeah. where you are genetically connected in some yeah. way, but you're like emotionally, I want nothing to do with you. I'm like, I'm okay with my life without you. This, you know, my stepdad has been more of my dad than my biological dad or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I try to think about those 
things mm-hmm. too, like that experience. So, but first, you know, I get hung up and, and I, I don't know why I think it's like you said, I think it's just this really difficult thing to talk about and figure out too, mm-hmm. like why it really matters. And it, does it really matter because society, like we said, has like made it such a, yeah. an issue like, Oh, yeah. you look like whatever, you're just like your mm-hmm. dad or you just, you know, or like you do that, like your mom versus just saying that, like, you know, as you're just mm-hmm. a great kid and you must feel so loved. Like, I feel like that should be the conversation instead of saying you look like this or you do this yeah. like your parents. Like, oh, you must yeah. be so loved. Like your parents must love you or you must love your parents or something yeah. you, like that. You know what I mean? And shifting that conversation away from some of this yeah. physical stuff. And but, you know, you can even learn mm. mannerisms without being genetically yeah. connected, you know? Exactly. Uh, it's very interesting. But um, okay, so if we want to get your book, where do we get your book? My book is on Amazon. And I also have links to it from both my Instagram and also from I do have a website where you can also find the book. Okay. And it, it sh- must ship internationally, right? Yeah, it does. Okay, perfect. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'm going to go get one. <laughs> <laughs> to go get a coffee now and then if people want to connect with you if they want to learn more or if they want to ask you questions are you open to that for sure i think um the best way to do that is um by instagram and just uh, send me uh dm and i'll i'll uh, answer you there yeah and i thought i saw you had some takeovers too so you'll have other people take over your instagram and kind of talk about their experiences too is that right yeah Exactly. Yeah, I tried to do that so so that we get different views upon donor conception and uh, different experiences as well. But um, yeah. And do you regularly do lives with your dad, or because I saw a few of them on there? <clears throat> it's been a while. I think um, right now we're talking about my parents doing like a takeover, actually, oh. so that people could just ask them questions. So I'm not me. Um, with them but just them doing a takeover a weekend or something like on my instagram so and if if questions for my parents also just send them to me and i'll i'll ask them they are very okay to to answer anything mm-hmm. and you're at, at donor child correct yes d-o-n-o-r-c-h-i-l-d in case anyone's looking mm-hmm. and what's your website um it's emma Kronbeck, a I'll put a link in. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll put a link in. It's very, I think it's very long actually. So yeah, I think we'll put a link instead. Yes, yes, yes. I'll put a link in, and then on there is your blog. Since like you started the blog, is all that on there too? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today, and thank you so much for answering all these questions and sharing your experience for. Those of us who may consider, you know, using donor conception, we just want to make mm-hmm. sure we do the right thing and that people have just as positive of experience as you and your family have had. Because like I said, I feel like you guys are like the poster child for, <laughs> you know, donor conception. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me. And thank you for um, sharing your parents' story, too, and kind of helping us all have a better story to share with our future families and to help us make the right decisions. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. Yeah. 
Oh, well, thank you. But hopefully it won't be the last time. If anything new comes up or if there's anything else you want to discuss, I would love to have you back if you're open to it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you want a question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes, and I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.